you guys will have a seat. We're going to, uh, to talk this morning about uh, um, when, when our doing replaces our being. And, and sometimes that's one of those things that happens that we don't intentionally set out to happen, but, but sometimes uh, it, it can happen. And so, you know, as I, as I thought about our church, it's, there's a dangerous thing when you give a preacher a week off because I actually have time to think. And, uh, and to reflect and to look back on where I'm at and where our church is at and where, where God might would want to call us to be. And so this past week um, was a challenge for me to be with my parents, uh, to see um, kind of the, the changes that are taking place in my dad. And that, that was kind of a, a challenge to me, but it was also a reminder to me that, that we don't know what tomorrow holds. And so every single day needs to be a day that we live fully for the Lord. Uh, I thought about our church a lot, and I thought about you guys and how, how big-hearted uh, our church is, uh, how hard-working our, our people are, especially in times of disaster and great needs. I thought about how generous you guys are to, to give of your time and to give of your resources, to give of those things that God has entrusted to you and to use those things for, uh, for God's glory. I thought about how that as a church, you guys see a need and you find a way to meet that need. Many of you do it without fanfare, without glory, without anybody pointing a, a, a finger to you or, or raising a hand and praising you. you. You do it because you love the Lord and you just want to serve people and you want to, to be able to do that. I think that, that because of the way that you serve, our church has developed a reputation in the community as a church that, that helps people and that meets needs. And, and so many of you will go the extra mile to do things for folks just because you want them to know the love of Jesus and you want them to know that, that, that Christ is walking with them through their crisis. And I just want to take this, this moment this morning to thank you for that, to thank you for the way that you continue to serve. I, um, we've kind of wrapped up all the, the tree work that we were doing. We still get one or two that pop up, but but we were looking back and we have served over 300 families either through tarps that have been put on houses or trees that have been removed from houses or yards or whatever else we had about 350 requests that's 350 families that that came through our doors and asked us for help and one by one with the help of others, we got those things knocked out. And so we've seen many things happen, and we've seen how that God's done that. And I love to serve. You know that. That's part of my DNA is I love to be able to help people, and I love to see you guys serve. But this morning what I want us to do is to, to focus in on this, this subtle trap that we can fall into if we're not careful in the midst of our ministry. Ministry is a great thing. It's something that God calls us to do. It's something that God... Um, gives us the spiritual gifts and gives us the heart and the passion to be able to do. But there's a subtle trap when we get, when we get busy in ministry, a subtle trap that, that our doing can replace our being. In other words, our serving can begin to squeeze out our loving. Our, our, our ministry sometimes can take us away from our first love, can take us away from the things that God has called us to do. And, and so usually what happens in, in, in our lives is that early on in our ministry, when we first start, when we first become a believer, we are, we are serving God and we are serving others and we do so out of a love for the Lord and a love for others. And, and, and our love for the Lord begins to motivate us to serve. And so we read in scripture the, the things that we are called to do and how we are to use our gifts. And, and many times early on in our walk with the Lord, we jump right in and we serve the Lord out of this desire to, to be pleasing to him, this desire to, to show our love for the Lord. But over time, if we are not careful, over time, if we're not careful and if we are not intentionally cultivating this love for the Lord, uh, our lives can become out of balance. Uh, things can begin to, 
to, to find a, a, an awkward balance. I know for me, one of the things that I struggle with the most is trying to find that balance in life between having enough time to, to serve others and still having enough time to cultivate my relationship with the Lord. And, and especially during uh, hurricanes and disasters and floods and things like that where things get so crazy and so busy, it's easy for us to get busy doing ministry and to neglect, if we're not careful, the cultivation of this relationship that we have with the Lord. And so I want to talk to us this morning about the danger of doing that and, and how we can go about making sure that we keep our lives in balance. Because if we're not careful, we'll soon be doing ministry, but we'll not be doing it out of this deep love for the Lord or even a deep love for other people. Uh, but sometimes we can move into this area where we begin to serve the Lord out of a sense of duty or necessity or this, just a, a good habit that we've developed of serving other people. Uh, sometimes we can do it because we're, we're taught that that's what, that's what Christians would do. Uh, sometimes we do it because we are told that that's what's expected of us. Sometimes we serve because we think, well, what will other people think if I don't show up and if I don't help? And, and, and all of those things are less than stellar reasons for us to serve. And, and I don't want you to, to hear this message today and say, okay, I don't have to do anything ever again. That's not at all what we're trying to say this morning. But I want us to make sure that in our doing, we don't neglect our being. God has created us to be, to be human beings, not just human doings. He's called us to, to, to focus on on, on, on developing our soul, developing our relationship with the Lord, developing this intimate relationship with God, out of which then flows the ministry and flows the things that God has called us to do. And so if we're not careful, we can do ministry without love. Now, I don't think we can do love without ministry, but I do think that we can do ministry without love. And so I want us to, to look this morning <coughs> at what Scripture says and the warnings that Scripture gives us about finding that balance so that when we do go out and serve in Jesus' name, we're doing it from a heart of, of genuine love, love for the Lord and, and love for other people. Um, so if we're not careful, our ministry and our service can squeeze out this sincere love for the Lord. We can find ourselves doing all the right things, but doing them for the wrong reasons. We can find ourselves doing many things that, that benefit others, many things that help others in our community. But if we're not careful, we can do those things without genuine love. Now, it's just a subtle shift, and it's something that, that I can't measure you and you can't measure me, and we don't always know what's going on in each other's worlds in that way, but it is something that the Holy Spirit can bring to our, our remembrance, something the Holy Spirit can, can point out in our lives. And so this, this subtle shift can become a dangerous shift if we're not careful. Sometimes an indicator that these things are going on is when we find ourselves saying things like, well, I've got to go help these people. I've got to go do it. I mean, somebody's got to do it, you know. Uh, we can say, you know, these people drive me crazy, but I'm just going to suck it up and go help. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's, you hear people saying, well, I, I get so tired of this or that, but, but somebody's got to do it. And those are a sign that, that our love may be waning, that our, our love may not be all that it needs to be. And none of us start out that way. And none of us go into ministry with those kind of ideas. None of us sign up to help people but, uh, with, with that kind of a mindset. But if we're not careful and if we don't cultivate our love relationship with God while we're doing ministry, then it's not long before the, the well runs dry. Um, if, if I were to take this water bottle and, and begin to, to pour out a little bit to everybody, it wouldn't be long you see that the water level began to go. And if I'm not refilling that water level, then it won't be long till the well runs dry. And in our busyness of serving and in our busyness of trying to minister and to meet every single need, if we're not careful to cultivate this intimate relationship that we are called into with the Lord, 
then it won't be long till we'll run dry and our ministry will ring hollow. Uh, so none of us start out that way, but sometimes we can end up there. And, and, and what happens is that sometimes we get so busy doing the ministry that we don't cultivate the love relationship with God. Uh, and, and the tail begins to wag the dog if we're not careful. Sometimes we, we forget everything that God's done for us. And when we forget all that God's done for us, it's easy to begin to begrudge those that have needs around us. Uh, when God blesses us and, 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 and we don't recognize that as a blessing, we don't recognize that as, a, as an outpouring of God's love and grace and mercy upon us, then, then sometimes when others require grace and mercy and love from us, we are, we are slow to, to give that. Uh, sometimes, if we're honest, we serve because of what that service does for us. Now follow me on this because this is a subtle shift and it's something that, that, again, I can't point to in your life, but it may be something that the Holy Spirit would, would point out to you. Sometimes in our ministry and in our service to other people, we do those things because of what it does for us. I'll serve you because you'll love me. I'll serve in the community because they'll think, man, I am the pastor. I am this great guy. I serve you because I want to be able to get something back from you or I want you to like me or I want you to praise me or I want you to speak well of me. And so sometimes we can do ministry and we can do service to other people, not for what we're giving to them, but for what we're getting back to us. And our service can even become selfish if we're not careful. And so scripture calls us to do these great things. It calls us to, to, to live and to be and to do what God has created us to do, but to do those things out of love for others. And so as we begin to do this, I want us to look at a passage in 1 Corinthians. It's a, a familiar passage, I'm, I'm sure, to most of you. But there's this passage in 1 Corinthians 13 that reminds us that if what we do is not done for love, then it's done for naught. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, Paul writes these words. He said, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. If I'm not cultivating a love relationship with God, even as I minister, if I'm not taking time each day to be in the presence of God, to let his word speak to me, to let him challenge me and change me and convict me and make me more like Jesus, then it won't be long before when my, my relationship with God, if it begins to wane, it's going to affect my love for other people. And Paul reminds us here, he's got a great list of things that, that these, these, these people could do, great things that you and I would admire, folks that are, that are, that are able to, to do all kinds of things, to prophesy and fathom mysteries and have all this knowledge and wisdom and faith, to give away everything that they've got, talking about unselfishness, to give everything they own to the poor, even to die, to surrender myself to the flames. But Paul says, when love is lacking... We, we gain nothing. We accomplish nothing. If we get so caught up in ministry, guys, that our relationship with God begins to struggle, to suffer, it won't be long till the things that we do in the community, the things that we do for others, will have very little spiritual impact, very little um, lasting value. 
I know for me, I'm, I'm guilty at times to get so caught up in accomplishing the project that sometimes I miss the opportunity that's right before me. The reason that we serve is to have an avenue to share the gospel. But sometimes we get so caught up in, in knocking out another job and doing another family and getting to the next house that we don't take time to meet the spiritual needs of the people that we're called to serve. And I think sometimes that's a reflection upon a, a, a waning relationship with the Lord. When, when, when we get so busy, we get so tired, we get so focused on other things that we forget that God's put us there to do more than just clean up a yard, to do more than just take a tree off a house. So we've got to be careful that we don't do that. Uh, and, and, and so Paul reminds us here that anything that we do that's not motivated by love, that's not done in love, accomplishes very, very little. And as I thought about that, I thought perhaps that's why when Jesus was asked, what's, what's the greatest commandment? Do you remember what Jesus said the, the number one thing that we need to be focused on doing really is? What did he say? Did he say to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength? Is that what Jesus said? What did he say? The greatest commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. And then the second commandment is to serve. Is that what he said? No, what? To love your neighbor as you would love yourself. You see, when, when, when love is, is present, service is going to follow. When, when, when love is real and when that, that love relationship is cultivated, first of all with God, then it's going to happen with others. But when love is present, then ministry is going to take place. But, but I can do ministry without love, but I can't do love without ministry. And so God says that, that, that the number one thing that he would require of us, that he would want from us, that he desires from us, is that we first of all love him. And then second of all, we love others. And out of those two loves comes ministry and service and things of value. He doesn't say serve the Lord and serve others. He says love the Lord and love others. And when we do, then the service and the ministry are going to follow from that. I think a lack of service can indicate a lack of love. But I do not think that an abundance of service necessarily indicates an abundance of love. People can do great things, but if they don't do them in love, then they don't accomplish much. Um, so we, we can't afford to get the cart before the horse here. We've we got to make sure that we cultivate a relationship with Christ. And out of that relationship with Christ, he directs us, he leads us, and empowers us to serve other people. And then when we go out and do that, we serve in the power of the Holy Spirit. We serve in the power of the Lord, and we're able to accomplish great things. When we go back to the Old Testament, God's call, even in the Old Testament, is first of all to love. We, we think of the Old Testament many times as, as this, this, this wooden set of rules. Here's the Ten Commandments, and these are the things that you have to do. And as I've reflected upon my life, and I've reflected upon even my ministry and my preaching, this week I was convicted that most of my preaching is about what we are to do, and not so much about what we are to be. We, we focus on, here's three things that you can do this week to serve others. Here's three things you can do that will change you. Here's things that you can do, and, and a lot of my preaching is about doing 
But if we don't first put in place this block of, of, of being, of, of loving, of, of developing and cultivating a relationship with God, then the things that we do are going to be empty and they're going to be hollow and they're not going to accomplish the things that God wants them to accomplish. So when we go back to the Old Testament, we see that God's call even then is first of all to love him. And then out of that love will come service and obedience. And if we miss this, then our ministry and our service are going to be hollow. They're going to be exhausting. And I believe they're going to be short-lived. Those things may bring us glory, but they seldom bring God glory if it's not done out of a heart of love. Um, So again, looking at my own preaching, I realize, man, that so many times I preach more about what we're supposed to do than than I do about who we are to be. And one of the things that, that I'm really wrestling with is this. I think that as we get the being right, the doing is going to flow. And the doing is going to happen. Um, so what we do is got to flow from, from our being. And, and our being is directly affected by this love relationship with God. If my love for God is lacking, then, then nothing else really matters. If you've got your Bibles, look with me at a passage in Revelation chapter 2. It's a letter to the seven churches. It's a letter describing the, the relationship these churches have with the Lord. And in Revelation chapter 2, Paul is... Uh, or John is, is describing to the, the church in Ephesus what Jesus says about them. Um, chapter 2, verse 1 says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Now look what he says. I know your deeds. These guys were full of good deeds. They were doing all the right things. I know your hard work. And I know your perseverance. Those are all admirable things. Good deeds and hard work and perseverance. I, I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. In other words, when, when, when wickedness comes into the camp, you guys root it out. You, you, you deal with that kind of stuff. And he says, and you've tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not. And you have found them false. In other words, you've got great discernment. You're able to, you're familiar with the word of God. You're able to listen to people that speak and say, you know what, that's not biblical and that's not right. And you can separate the good from the bad and you've got that discernment. So you've got this, this hardworking group that's doing great deeds, that's, that's, that's persevering under a heavy load. They're, they're rooting out those things that are false. And he says in verse 3, you have persevered and endured hardships for my name. And you have not grown weary. By today's measurements and today's standards, most people would say that is a successful church. Stands up for truth, it discerns evil, it 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 it, it, it addresses those things that are not right. It perseveres when there's persecution. It hangs on. It doesn't give up. It doesn't grow weary. It hasn't stopped doing what it's supposed to be doing. This is a church that's focused by today's measurements. But look at Jesus' measurement. Verse 4, he says, Yet this I hold against you. You have forsaken your first love. You're doing all the right things. But Jesus says, you've walked away from your first love. He was their first love. He was the reason that they did what they did to start with. But somewhere along the way, 
maybe in the busyness, maybe in the persecution, maybe in, in, in trying to get it all right, they let their relationship with the Lord slide. They, they let things begin to, to wane. And Jesus loved them enough to call them back. He loved them enough to point that out. He loved them enough to say, guys, this is, you're doing a lot of good stuff, but there's one thing, one thing that's lacking, and it's the most important. He says, you've forsaken your first love. So what does he call them to do? These are the things that, that if you find yourself out of balance this morning, these, these are the things that, that you've, you've got to do. Look at this. First of all, verse 5. I want you to remember. Remember that first love. He says, remember the height from which you've fallen. Remember how the love used to be. Remember maybe when you first became a believer and you were so excited to, 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 to explore this new life. You were so excited to think that, that Christ had forgiven you and cleansed you and, and, and washed you and made you new. And, and he gave you a new opportunity and a fresh start. And all those. Remember what it was like to be head over heels in love with Christ. Remember the height from which you've fallen. Second thing he calls them to do is to repent which means to have a change of heart. Your heart has drifted. Bring it, bring it back to where it was. Remember what you had and then return, repent, come back. And then the third thing is then to do the things that you did at first. Get, get back to the basics. Get back to... To, to where you used to be. Don't, don't just focus on, on, on constantly doing. That, that can feed our ego and that can help meet some needs. But, but if, we, if we neglect the first love, then all those things are meaningless and they're fruitless. He says, come back. So remember and repent and then kind of restart. Do the things that you used to do, but do them out of a different heart. And he says, if you don't repent, then I'm going to come to you, remove your lampstand from its place. We're called to be a light to the world, but we can't be a light to the world if we're not in intimate relationship with Christ. And so many of you may have a perfect balance. Maybe this is not the message for you today. Maybe, maybe you've got it all together, but there's many that, that may not and that may need to hear God say, look, I'm, I'm pursuing you and I'm coming after you and I want you back in a right relationship with me. I want your life to be a life that I can bless and that I can use. And like I said this morning already, when we meet with God face to face, we don't leave the same. Some will leave hardened and say, ah, that's not for me and I'm, I'm going the other direction. And others will hear God's voice and come back to him and repent. John knew with the church in Ephesus through the words of Jesus that some would respond and come back and there would be some that would not and there was consequences both ways and so as we see what the what the bible says we see how that the lord calls us to himself we're reminded to remember to remember what it was like been reading a lot in the old testament and i was reading in, in deuteronomy and in, in uh, this passage where um, uh, moses is getting ready to prepare the people to go into the promised land that God has given them. And, and in Deuteronomy, it's a book of, of him kind of getting them ready to, to inherit this, this promise that's been waiting now for 40 years. And as they begin to, 
to, to get ready, Moses does what John told the church in Revelation to do. He reminds them of where they were. Uh, look with me, if you will, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. It starts and says this. It says, but you are a people holy to the Lord your God. We need to remember, guys, who we are. If our hearts are to come back to the Lord, and if our hearts are to be fully engaged with God, and if we are to find in God the strength that we need to be able to do the ministry that God's called us to do, then we've got to remember who we are. And he starts off by saying, you are a people that are holy to the Lord your God. That word holy means to be set apart for a specific purpose, to be, to be, to be set apart so that, 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 that we would belong to the Lord, that we would be good for the Lord, that we, would, that we would represent the Lord. So you're a holy people to the Lord. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people. So we are holy, we are set apart, we are chosen of all the people. In other words, we were picked to belong to the Lord. We were to be his treasured possession. Do you know what gives you your value? It's not what you bring to the table that makes you valuable. It's who you belong to that makes you valuable. It's, it's whose you are. That's where your identity, that's where your value, we get our value from him. And God chooses nobodies in order to make them somebody special. And that's what he's done with each of us. And we need to remember who we are. Verse 7, it says this. It says that he has set his affection upon you. Can you let that sink in for just a minute? That God has set his affection upon you. How do we increase our love for the Lord? We need to remember how much he loves us. You can't just force yourself to love somebody. But we love somebody because we recognize how much they love us. And Jesus says, you didn't love me first, but I loved you first. And he set his affection upon us. He chose us. He's made us holy. And he says, so he set his affection upon you and he chose you because, not because... You were more numerous than the other people, for you were the fewest of all peoples. Now, I know he's speaking to a nation here, but man, this applies to you and I. God did not choose you to be his child because you were the greatest thing since sliced bread. God did not choose you to be his child because he saw this ton of potential in you. And if I can just get this guy to come follow me, then man, we can turn the world upside down. I used to think that when I was in high school. When I first was a Christian, I thought, man, if we could just lead the quarterback of the football team to Jesus, everybody would follow him and everybody would become believers. If we could just lead that, that cheerleader to Jesus and get her to come to our church, then everybody else would want to come to our church because somebody popular would be here in our church. I used to think if we could just grab the people with the biggest potential and we could lead them to Jesus, then everybody else would follow. But that's not what God does, is it? That's not the way God works. He says to the Israelites who were his chosen people, I didn't choose you because you were more numerous than other people. You were pathetic. You were the fewest, not the greatest. But it was because the Lord loved you 
He kept his oath that he swore to your forefathers, that he brought you out with a mighty hand. He redeemed you from the land of slavery and from the power of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping the covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. We need to remember who we are in the eyes of God, that he came pursuing us. Listen, guys, we, we don't pursue him. He pursues us. We, we don't discover God. God reveals himself to us. God's the one that initiates this relationship. And he calls us into himself. And here in Deuteronomy, Moses is reminding the people of how God chose them and how God made them special, how God took somebody, a nation that was a, 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 a tiny little group, and God made them great. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're reminded that we could never forget what God has done for us. In, in chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, he says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your forefathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. And he gives you a land, a land with large, flourishing cities that you didn't build. Houses that are filled with all kinds of good things that you did not provide. Wells that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you didn't plant. And, and when you eat and you're satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. In good times, it's easy to forget how much we need the Lord. In good times, it's easy to forget how much God has, has truly blessed us. In good times, it's, it's easy for us to think that we have done something to make our names great. That we have done something to build a great country. That we have done something to deserve everything that we have. And yet we're reminded that when God does these things, we dare not forget that he's done them. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 10 through, through 18. He says some of the same things, but listen to how he says it. He says, when you have eaten and you're satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. Be, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands and his laws and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and you're satisfied... When you build fine houses and settle down and when your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and your gold increase and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud. And you'll forget the Lord your God that brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful deserts and the thirsty and waterless lands and its venomous snakes and its scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something that your fathers had never known did this to, to humble you and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. And you might say to yourself, well, my power and my strength of my hands have produced this wealth. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so he confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers, as it is today. When our first love begins to wane, we've got to remember who we are, who our God is, and what he's done for us. That calls our hearts back to him. And when we forget all that he has given to us, when we forget that we owe everything that we are to him, then loving others can become a chore. Ministry can become a burden. We'll find ourselves doing all the right things, but not doing them with the love that God's called us to do it with. 
So as we close today, I want to ask you to please, in the midst of these busy times, as we come out of this season of great ministry, to take some time and to ask yourself, is my relationship with God, is it everything that it's, that it's always been? Is my relationship with God growing in the right direction? We, we seldom stay stagnant in our relationship with God. We're usually either growing or, or we're, we're falling away. We, we seldom stay the same. And so in the midst of this ministry, in the midst of this time of, of great service and great opportunity here in our community, I want to encourage you to carve out that time to develop intimacy with God. To carve out time to go deeper with God because if, if you can go deeper with God, then you can take other people deeper as well. If you can develop and cultivate this, this relationship with God that is strong and full and, and vibrant, then you will have something to offer to those that you take ministry to. Otherwise, you're going to be carrying them in an empty bucket. And it may look good, but there's nothing left to pour out. There's nothing left to share with others. Again, the church in Revelation, the church of Ephesus, you're, you're doing a lot of good things, he says. But this one thing that's most important, you've neglected. You've, you've walked away from your first love. Now, here's the good news. God calls us back. And by his grace and by his mercy and by his forgiveness, he can do what David asked him to do in the Psalms. God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. God, wipe me clean and cleanse me and restore me and put a, a, a new heart and a steadfast spirit within me. God can do those things if you and I will turn back to him and if we will ask him to. And he will restore us and he will restore the joy of our salvation and he will make our ministry fruitful and make it vibrant. And so I encourage you, as we are in this season of busy, busy, busyness, not to neglect your first love, not to, to get so caught up in doing that you neglect your being, not to be so concerned about getting a project done that you neglect the greatest thing you can do, which is to grow in that relationship with Christ. So I encourage you today to, to remember, to repent, and then to restart the ministry. Don't try to do it on an empty, on an empty tank. Let's meet with the Lord. Let's ask God to change who we are. I, I want to change the way... That, that I read scripture, the way that, that I preach God's word to where it's not just doing, 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 but it's being that translates into doing, that transforms what we do and how we do it so that we're not like the church in Corinth that does great things but does them without love and without power. Let's be the people that God's called us to be. And that's going to start on our knees. It's going to start as we get into this word every single day and we allow the Lord to speak to us and to challenge us and to change us. That he'll convict us where we fall short so that we can repent and we can be in a right relationship with him. So let's pray together.